King Ahab of the Bible is an interesting guy. Keep in mind, I repeat, I'm repeating myself, I realize. We had three kings of, the, of, the, of Israel as a united kingdom. You have Saul, David, Solomon. That's Israel, all of Israel. Then the kingdom splits right down the middle. You've got the north and the south. The northern part of Israel is called Israel. southern part of Israel in the Old Testament is called Judah. All right? And you have a couple of good kings in Judah. During this particular time, the king of Judah is King Asa, who I'm talking about next week. Amazing king. At the same time, just north of him, in, in what is then called Israel, which is now we would call it North Israel, is the king Ahab. And he's a bad guy. And he's married to a bad woman. He's married to Leona Helmsley, basically, okay? Um, I hope she's not here today. But, uh, I mean, someone equivalent to that, at least, uh, of that time. And you're going to recognize her name when we get there, okay? So uh, you're going to see this. So let me just take you to the text. It's in 1 Kings, and I want to introduce you to you, him to you in chapter 16, and then we're going to skip to chapter 21. You'll see all that. But in 1 Kings chapter 16, we're introduced to Ahab. Verse 29, Ahab, the son of Omri, began to rule over Israel in the 38th year of King Asa's reign in Judah. That's the king to the south. He reigned in Samaria for 22 years, but Ahab, the son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight, watch this, even more than any of the kings before him. He's evil. Because there's some bad guys in front of him. Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah. Uh, 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 Jeroboam, some of these guys, they were just awful in terms of embracing idolatry. And when we talk about embracing idolatry in that time, we're not talking about just bowing down to a totem pole. Uh, we're, talking about, we're talking about stuff that would involve human sacrifice, child sacrifice, just awful stuff. So, so whenever you read this, that they, oh, well, they, they worship totem poles, that was much, it was just savagery, basically. And God wanted to eliminate that from the land. Um, well, anyway, back to the introduction of, um, of uh, Ahab. Verse 31, you're going to meet his wife, and you're going to know her name. You ready? And, it was, it, and as though it were not enough to follow the example of Jeroboam, bad guy, he married Jezebel. There she is. You didn't know, she's there. Jezebel, the daughter of, of uh, you know, King Ethelbal of the city knights, and began to bow down to worship in the worship of Baal, again, these awful things. Uh, first, Ahab built a temple and an altar to, uh, for Baal in Samaria. Then he set up an pole. That's the female equivalent of Baal. It's just sick stuff. Look, he did more to provoke the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than any of the other kings of Israel before him. He says that twice. Bad guy, right? Now... I want to take you later on to a chapter, and it's not, we don't have a lot of chapters on, uh, on Ahab, but we have enough to show us just how bad he was. And I want to take you to one chapter that sort of epitomizes his life and the influences that he had and the influence that his wife had upon him. Isn't it interesting? So many things we get from the Bible. Isn't it interesting? You don't really have, other than Moby Dick, you don't have people named Ahab, right? Um, and uh, I doubt that we have anybody named we have anybody named Jezebel here? I'd kind of like to know that, actually. It's okay if you are, it's fine. But isn't it interesting that so many times biblical names, how they go through history, and so many times you don't, who knows, who's going to call their son Judas, you know? Um, just, it's interesting to me how that works. Anyway, um, chapter 21. Still getting over the, still the Oreo thing. I just, I can't get over that Oreo thing. And by the way, did you know this? 
Oh, there she is right here. She's still here. Uh, um, uh, Sophia's still here. Sophia asked me just a moment ago as we were watching that video, she said, what's a double stuff? You believe that? She didn't know what a double stuff was. How do you got to know what a double stuff was? Uh, anyway, I got to quit thinking about Oreos, people. They're killing me. Back to Ahab. Ahab. Well, I'm going to say something else about it. Watch this. Verse two, here we go. Chapter 21, verse 1. Now, there was this man named um, Naboth from Jezreel. He owned a vineyard in Jezreel beside the, king, beside the palace of King Ahab of Samaria. One day, Ahab says to Naboth, since your vineyard is so convenient to my, play, my palace, this is interesting because he shouldn't have even been asking this. I'll explain in a minute. Since your vineyard is so convenient to my palace, I would like to buy it and use it as a vegetable garden. I will give you a better vineyard in exchange, or if you prefer, I will pay you for it. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance that was passed down by my ancestors. Now, it's not just that he's concerned about the family farm, okay, so to speak. But here's the deal. According to Levitical law of the time, not only could he not do that, it was illegal to do that. You couldn't take an ancestral uh, thing passed down from ancestry and sell you could, They wouldn't allow you to do that by Levitical law. So the fact that the king's even asking him, he knew that was illegal. So this is totally inappropriate. He wants this little plot of ground for his little personal wine vineyard and so forth. And, 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 and Naboth just said, I can't do that. That would be wrong against my family and it'd be against the law. And it's just wrong. Now, watch what happens here. Verse 4. So Ahab went home angry and sullen because of Naboth's answer. The king went to bed with his face to the wall, and he refused to eat. What's the matter, his wife Jezebel asked him. What's made you so upset that you're not eating? Pretty big guy. Here's what he said, like this. I asked Naboth to sell me his vineyard or trade it, and he refused. Ahab told her. I, I mean, this guy's a weenie. I mean, he's whining, you know? I mean, and, and some Bibles say he, he was pouting. Uh, it's, it's, he, this is just amazing. Now watch what Jezebel does. Are you the king of Israel or not? Jezebel demanded. Get up, eat something, and don't worry about it. I'll get you Naboth's vineyard. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name, sealed them with his seal, and sent them to the elders and the other leaders in the town where Naboth lived. In her letters, she commanded, call the citizens together for fasting and prayer. She does it under, under the name of religion. And they are, people do it all the time. Well, let's get together and pray. And I'm going to stab you in the back. Okay? Uh, I mean, it happens. They called for a fast and put Naboth, Naboth in the prominent place before the people. And then the two scoundrels came. You see that? Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped. Let me, let me go back. Let me, where, where are we here? Let me go back to verse 10. Let me, let me pick it up in verse 10. Um, this is, this is, and, and, and then seat two scoundrels across from him who will accuse him of cursing God and the king, then take him out and stone him to death. Here's, what, here's her plan. We're going to put two scoundrels, liars, basically. I like scoundrels. Isn't that a good word? Scoundrels. You're a scoundrel. You could get away with that tomorrow. Try that. And no one will get upset with you. You're a scoundrel. Anyway, they're going to have the whole thing set up. And they're going to say, he cursed the king, and he cursed God. Again, Levitical law, not the king, but if you cursed God, according to Leviticus, you could be stoned. So they're really setting him up to accuse him of what would be a capital crime, all by Jezebel's doings, okay? So then, then that happens. Um, 
That was verse 10. Take a stone him to death. Verse 11. Now let's go back to verse 11. So the elders and the other leaders followed the instructions that Jezebel had written in the letters. They called for a fast and put Naboth on the prominent place before the people. Then the two scoundrels came and sat across from him, and they accused Naboth, Naboth before all the people, saying he cursed God and the king. So he was dragged outside the town and stoned to death. The town leaders then sent word to Jezebel, Naboth has been stoned to death. You say, wow, this is pretty serious. These are pretty bad people. Now watch what happens. Verse 15. When Jezebel heard the news, she said to Ahab, You know that vineyard that Naboth wouldn't sell you? Well, you can have it now. He's dead! (laughs) So Ahab immediately went down to the vineyard of, of Naboth to claim it. Doesn't ask, how'd that happen? Doesn't ask, what did you do? Doesn't ask, how did that, you know what? Didn't care. He knows. That's sort of an egalitarian marriage. They're both equally bad. You know, one just comes up with one bad idea, another one comes up with another. And he basically stole the... stole. Now, watch what happens. Now, there's this guy named Elijah. He's the prophet. You've heard of Elijah. He's a prophet of God. He's a great man, great man of integrity, prophet of God at that time, which would pre, sort of the, the preacher to the kings and, and, the, and the leadership. And, and he was... He wouldn't compromise anything. He had, he had had several entanglements up to this point, several entanglements with Ahab and Jezebel already. So they know who he is. He knows who they are. They know who he represents, and they're not real happy about this because he's heard about it, and he's ready to come and confront the king. Verse 17, the Lord said to Elijah, "'Go down to meet King Ahab of Israel who rules in Samaria.'" He will be at Naboth's vineyard in Jezreel, claiming it for himself, and give him this message. This is, what, this is going to get a little rough here. Hang on. This is what the Lord says. Wasn't it enough that you killed Naboth? Must you rob him too? Because you have done this, dogs will lick your blood at the very place where they licked the blood of Naboth. Funny, in the uh, 9 o'clock service, a couple of our teenage girls were over here, and uh, I saw one of them when I read that kind of go, mm, you know. And I saw her downstairs. I go and say hi to the kids sometimes. They're down backstage right now. And I said, was that a little rough for you? She says, yeah, maybe get a different version. That was, that was disgusting. <laughs> and then another girl says, oh, no, no, I liked it like that. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. Here's the point on this whole passage. The whole, he's, he's, he's not trying to be, I mean, the Bible, is, it, you know, it doesn't blink at, at this stuff. He's trying to make the point, you're cursed. And you're going to die a shameful death. And all this business, how when a king dies and they take such good care of the body and they do, that's not going to happen to you. You're going to die and you're going to rot in the streets and dogs are going to lick your blood because you are evil. That's the only point trying to be made here. Not trying to be over the top or disgusting. God's just saying, you're cursed, dude, because you just continue to reject me. You continue to reject me and, and, and influence others. And I'm done with you. That's, that's the deal here. There's a little thing later on that hap- he repents for a little while, then he goes back on it, but that's beside the point. So anyway, verse, verse 20, here we go. Here's the confrontation. So my enemy, this is, this is Ahab talking to, to, to Elijah. He's so deluded he calls the man of God his enemy. Not his enemy. He's there to help him, but he doesn't want to listen to him. So my enemy, you have found me, Ahab exclaimed to Elijah. Yes, Elijah answered, I have come because you've sold yourself You've sold yourself to what is evil in the Lord's sight. 
So now the Lord says, I will bring disaster on you and consume you. I will destroy every one of your, of your descendants and so forth. And I'm going to destroy your family as I did the family of Jeroboam. Uh, you have made me angry and have led Israel into sin. And then he goes on and repeats some of that in verse 23. And regarding Jezebel, the Lord says, dogs will eat her body as well, and so forth and so forth and so forth. Verse 25. No one else so completely sold himself to what was evil in the Lord's sight as Ahab did under the influence under the influence of his wife Jezebel. His worst outrage was worshiping idols, just as the Amorites had done, the people whom the Lord had driven out of the land ahead of the Israelites. Folks, here's the thing. I don't want you to, I don't want you to miss this. We choose to whom we will listen to. King Ahab had two very opposite influencers in his life. One was his wife, Jezebel. The other was Elijah. He ignored Elijah to the point of calling him his enemy. And listen to evil influence. Two takeaways for you and me on this. The first one is very simple. Who are you listening to? Who's in your life and influencing you and, and, and talking to you? And, and, and maybe it's just making one little compromise here and, and one little compromise there. And, 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 and who, who is that? And when I talk about the, the influencers in our life, I'm talking about people. I'm talking about media. I'm talking about culture. Uh, all those things are, are, are huge influencers. And we have to, we have to be consistent as we a- examine and re-examine those influences and those influencers in our lives. I mean, it's just, let me show you, regarding media, Walt Disney said this, this is a great thought. Walt Disney said, movies can and do have tremendous influence in shaping young lives in the realm of entertainment towards the ideas and objectives of normal adulthood. It's very true, and one could equally ask, well, can it have the same kind of influence on one to, to, to influence in not so normal adulthood, whatever that might mean. You've got to examine and re-examine the influences in your life. People you hang with, people you work with, people you go to the club with. Start telling you things, start saying things. Well, you know, and, 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 you know, and, and, and that, that's an important issue. If it's, not in, if it's not influencing for the things that are true and honorable and pure, according to the Bible, I'll talk more about that in a moment, then it's not, it's not going to be helpful. I've heard this story a, a number of times. And very, I'll give you the basic boilerplate of it. I've heard it in many different variations over the years. Um, I will use it on the feminine with the feminine thing. Now, it works both ways. But many times I've heard a, a wife come to me and say, I, I really wish you'd talk to so-and-so. You know, you got that new job and you've been hanging with a new crowd of people and yeah, things just aren't quite right, and there's some stuff going on that, that, that hasn't gone on before. And, you know, it's, uh, I'd encourage him to be with the boys once, once a month or so and go out for a drink, but it's become three or four times a week, and uh, the drink is no longer singular, it's plural. And um, things are really changing. And over and over again, I've seen people who've started listening to the wrong people. The wrong influences. It's okay to do this. No, it's not. 
And somewhere in there, you've got to stop and examine and re-examine. What am I listening to? Who am I listening to? I used to be a youth pastor many, many years ago. And I had one theme verse that I would just pound in those kids' heads. It's 1 Corinthians. I haven't looked at it in ages. I still know the verse. It's 1 Corinthians 15.33. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good. I was a great youth pastor, by the way. I just want you to know that. Um, (laughs) Bad company corrupts good morals. I just pound it. Bad company corrupts good morals. I just pound that because teenagers need to do that. Bad company corrupts good morals. Happens all the time. Bad company corrupts good morals. It took me about 10 or 20 years. All those kids now are like 50. <laughs> but uh, um, that's a scary thought. Um, it took me about 10 or 20 years to realize that's a timeless message, people. There's a lot of 40 and 50 and 60-year-old men who need to hear that and women. Bad company corrupts good morals. Be not deceived, the Bible says. Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? Examine and re-examine those influences. And you, you need somebody that you can talk to about that, too. Somebody you're close to. It's a great, great dinnertime discussion, particularly if you've got kids, even if you don't have kids at home. The second part of that is a two, two-fold step. There is who you're listening to. And I've got to ask you this question, too, and that is this. Who are you influencing? Who are you influencing? Who, whose life are you speaking into? I guarantee you, I don't care who you are, I don't care what you do. There are people in your life who could benefit from your influence, and I'm assuming your influence is good. We're going to make that assumption right now. If it's not, that's a different story. There are people in your life right now that, that, that need your influence. To do what? Well, let's start with just love God and love people. To be encouraged. To be helped. And uh, you probably know who they are. Napoleon Hill, a great writer, said this, Think twice before you speak, because your words and influence will plant the seed of either success or failure in the mind of another. Think twice before you speak, because your words and influence will plant the seed of either success or failure. Who are you influencing? And that comes down to this last thing, and I want to make the point of this. Who who are you listening to, and who are you influencing? And, And the last thing is this. Those, those influencers are being influenced by, there needs to be some common ground here. And I, that's where we go to the Bible. And I, don't, I don't want to argue about, well, what about some of the historical problems with the Bible or what, about, what does inerrancy mean or, or what? I don't want to argue, but I don't care about that, argue, making that argument. Let's just talk about the basic values of Scripture that we aren't going to argue about. Loving God, loving others, treating people of value, understanding that. Just let's talk about that. <laughs> Great President, General and President Grant, who had his issues, if you are a student of history, he had many issues. Most of them came in the form of a bottle, but he was a great man in many ways. And he, but look what he said, hold fast to the Bible. To the influence of this book, to the influence of this book, we are indebted for all the progress made in true civilization, and to this we must look as our guide in the future. That's great, great thought. We need to be influenced by, and we need to influence others with the values that God says in the Bible are important. 
And we all need that. And we need to be constantly examining and re-examining what those are. And, uh, you know, as you leave here today, I want you just to stop and think and maybe talk about it later with, with somebody. Um, there's somebody in my life that I, that I need to be listening to more. Maybe a, an Elijah-type person that, that, that's, maybe I'm not listening to him enough because their influence is positive and good, even though I don't always want to hear it. And are there, is there, the second part of that equation, are there some people that I need to be more sensitive to about having some positive influence in their lives as well? Just think about that. Pray about it. Ask God to help you think through that. Let's pray together. Lord God, we are thankful for the opportunity that we have of talking about listening to some of these issues that are the greater issues of life, really. We thank you, God, for your grace and for your love and the fact that you came and lived and suffered and died and rose again to give us the ability to have a relationship with our Creator, our God. And as we seek to do that, I pray, God, that we would listen to the words that are contained in your, in your Bible that you give us for values, for what, what's important in life and how best to really enjoy life. We pray that and we thank you for your love and your grace in all of our lives. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.